0: And we are in uh, week two of our Advent series. We aren't quite following the exact rhythm of the calendar. Uh, Our Colossians series went one week longer, but we are following the four major themes of Advent. And I'm really excited this morning because over the next two weeks, uh, today and then next week, uh, we have some of our staff members that are going to be coming and preaching the Word of God. This is uh, such a privilege to have a team that is uh, well-trained and well-studied and, w- and well-ready to preach the Word of God in a great way. It's great for me to get a break every once in a while. It's great for the congregation to have a break from Pastor Tam every once in a while. And the church said... Oh, you thought I had to think about that. (laughs) You had to think about it. So, we do welcome my good friend, my my good buddy. I I love this guy so much, Pastor Steve. I said in the first service, he is our Swiss Army knife here at GT. Uh, What does Steve do? What does Steve not do? Steve does everything, anything that he can do to serve the body of Christ. So, welcome Pastor Steve as he comes and brings the word here today.
1: Thanks, Pastor Tim. Well, I do want to say, just before I start, uh, you know, the Bible does say to give honor where honor is due, and I do honor Pastor Tim, uh, and I just echo his words. We've become fast friends and excited about the seasons of life that God brings and excited about the season that God has here at GT. We're truly living in exciting days, and so I honor you as my pastor, my friend, and thank you for the journey. you appreciating, Pastor Tim. Thanks, bro. Well... You know what, today it is, as Pastor Tim said, we are in our Advent series, and uh, I have the privilege of preaching the Advent of Peace. And we're gonna talk about peace this morning for a few minutes, and before we do that, I wanna ask you a question. Uh, I wanna ask you a question. Have you ever had an idea about something that you thought was a good idea, right? And then only to learn that maybe it wasn't such a great idea? All right, yeah, maybe we, we can relate. Uh, you know, I had this idea a few years ago. I was a youth pastor in Aurelia. And we had this idea called the Red Eye Extravaganza. Uh, and we were going to take students from Aurelia down to Sandusky, Ohio uh, on a bus trip and go to Cedar Point. Anyone ever been to Cedar Point? Yeah, it's the theme park. It's awesome. And so we were going to leave at 3 in the morning, take the bus, get there by 10, uh, ride the rides from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., and then take the bus back home and be back by 5 a.m. the next day. Yeah, sounded like an incredible trip. It sounded like an incredible trip. So we got on the bus, we were heading down, and uh, we were getting across the border, and we thought we were making good time. Our driver was an incredible guy, but he was not a great driver. Uh, You know what, he uh, just wasn't really good with directions, and he had one of the old school tom-toms. Anyone have one of those? Right? And it was on the dash, and whenever you were making a wrong turn or going the wrong way, it would say, recalculating recalculating and it continually said recalculating and we kind of took all these wrong turns and it ended up making us late. We got there a couple hours late to the park. It was raining. Uh, Our kids were tired and grumpy and I was starting to ask myself, why did I do this? Why did I think this was a good idea? We rode the rides for a few hours, rained on and off. Uh, By eight o'clock, everyone's waterlogged and tired and ready to go home. So I called our bus driver and was calling and calling and calling. I could not reach him. He was at a hotel because he drove through the night. So we were giving him some time to rest so he could drive the next night home for us. And trying to get him, couldn't get him. And so finally I called the dispatch from Aurelia and they were able to track him down. Uh, He had just fallen asleep at 7 o'clock. He was supposed to be sleeping all day. He only fell asleep at 7. And by 8 o'clock we were needing to pick us up because we were done. And uh, he apologized profusely. He shows up. And he's all frazzled and apologetic, and he gets there and he says, "Hey, pastor, I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I couldn't sleep. I was trying to having a tough time sleeping, so I finally got to sleep. And uh, you know, I didn't have a chance to fill up the bus with gas before I picked you guys up. So we got to go refuel. And so we're already tired and waterlogged, and everyone's just ready to go home and." If you've filled up a bus before, you realize that that's not like a five-minute process, right? They have big gas tanks, and so, sure, we go to the gas station, we fill up, and takes a long time, and everyone's agitated. Uh, and then I notice as he goes in to pay, he's at the counter, and, you know, paying for your transaction is usually pretty painless, right? You just... You, you know, you pay, and you're out, and minutes later. Well, he's there, and then he's pacing, and then he's scratching his head, and then he picks up the telephone, and now I know, Houston, we have a problem, right? His credit card's not working, he can't pay for the gas. I want to get home, so I go in, we help, we get, the, we get the gas paid for. We go, and we're on our way, we ca- cross the border. How many know when you cross the border, anytime you've traveled anywhere and you get home, there's no place like home? Right? It just ah, oh, just feels so good. I know this day, I'm ready to be home. I'm ready to rest. Um, as we sat down, I sat down after we did the customs we're going through, uh, and you know the feeling that you get when you're just like, ah, something just doesn't feel right? You know, I, I, I look up and instead of taking the turn to go 401 West after we came over the bridge in Windsor, somehow our driver found a way to go back into the U.S., we just came through the U.S. And I'm like, what are we doing? And he goes, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And at customs, we had to go through the toll again and customs again. And the, the officer says, why are you doing this? He goes, oh, we got turned around. And, and I said quickly, no, 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 we didn't get turned around. It's not like they didn't want us, but we took a wrong turn. And, uh, and so anyways, we, we got home. But it was just an event that I thought sounded good, but it ended up being, a, instead of a red-eye extravagance, it was a red-eye nightmare and I wonder if you can relate this morning to something that you thought was a good idea that turned out to be not such a good idea. In fact, something that robbed you of your peace. And all I have to say is the one word, COVID. And I think we can all relate that, that has rattled a little bit. It's disrupted the peace that we have in our lives, you know, from school to home to work. The different environments that you can think of, it has really disrupted peace. It's disrupted relationships and friendships and it's caused much stress. In Each of us and we all can relate to having our peace disrupted and today we're going to talk for a few minutes about the advent of peace And this word advent comes from the latin word adventus which simply means the arrival and In advent we celebrate the arrival of emmanuel god with us During advent we have these three themes of of celebration and anticipation and participation See, we celebrate the fact and we remember that Jesus did arrive. He lived, he walked, as we sang, he, he died for us, and he paid the ultimate price, and we celebrate his arrival. But then we also anticipate, because the Prince of Peace came, and he is coming again. One day there will be a second advent where Jesus will return, and so we celebrate and we anticipate his soon coming return. At Advent, we give a voice to kingdom come prayers, looking expectantly for the return of Jesus. And then lastly, in Advent, we participate and we're invited to participate in Advent. And Jesus said in Revelations 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And see, encountering God is not just something that can happen at Christmas time or through this season, but Jesus says, if you will open the door, I want to have a relationship with you and I want to participate with you on a day-to-day basis, and he's asking, will you open the door? Last week, Pastor Tim did a great job introducing our first theme of Advent, the Advent of hope. We have hope because of what Jesus has done. Hope lives and hope continues to be available for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And if you're thankful for that, can I hear an amen this morning? This morning, our our weekly verse is found in Isaiah 9, verse 6. And it's a bunch of names that, that the Messiah will be known as. For a child shall be born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So today for a few minutes, we're going to look at the Prince of Peace. The Hebrew word for Prince of Peace is the word sar shalom. The word sar means the one in charge, the Lord, the general, and shalom is rest, tranquility, wholeness, and contentment. Jesus is the Lord of rest. He's the Lord of tranquility. He's the Lord of wholeness and the Lord of contentment. Peace is a valuable commodity in life, isn't it? And we take it for granted, and and then when it's gone, we notice it and we feel the absence of peace. You know, what is peace, you could ask? And I would suggest that peace is a feeling of rest, a sense of hope. Uh, You feel calm and you feel like you're thriving. You feel like you're in a good place. And sadly, many of us at different times and seasons and stages of life, we are familiar with not having peace, a lack of peace. We can feel overwhelmed, we can feel uncertain. We can feel afraid and stressed out and angry and fearful, tough time sleeping, tough time eating, and you know, we're all too familiar with the feelings of a lack of peace. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 30, and we're going to look at a portion of Scripture that is very well known here about the Christmas story and and Mary and Joseph and Jesus' birth. Luke begins his letter by giving an account of John the Baptist, his birth being foretold, and I'm not gonna get into that because Pastor Cheryl will talk about that a little bit more next week. But Luke goes on to tell about the birth of Jesus and to a young mother named, fill in the blank, Mary, that's right, it wasn't a trick question. Uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, so I'm gonna read verse 26 to 31st today. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, To a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. So for many of us, this is a well-known portion of scripture and whether you've read the Bible and and celebrated many Christmases and been in the faith and known about Jesus' birth or maybe you've just kind of learning about it. You've heard of Mary and Joseph, you've seen a Christmas play, a a nativity scene and you're familiar with Mary and, and her part in this story. But a portion of this passage really jumped out to me this week that I haven't looked at closely before but verse 29 jumped out to me and Mary was confused and disturbed by the news that she'd just been given from this angel. And never before in history had something like this happened. It wasn't exactly what Mary had planned. Can you relate to Mary this morning the feeling of things not going as planned? Things happening and i.e. COVID and i.e. unexpected things. Things that we don't plan for, that we don't anticipate, but they happen in our lives. Leave you wondering, wow, I I didn't see that coming. And I wanna state this morning that sometimes God's interruptions seem inconvenient. Sometimes they seem inconvenient. Imagine Mary ages 13 to 15 years of old and she's engaged to be married to Joseph. And now something interesting to note that in Jewish practice, girls would usually be engaged at approximately that age, 13 to 15. and, um, And they'd be married after a year of a betrothal period. And betrothal was arranged by the parents and was a binding legal arrangement, much more binding than it is you know, our engagement here in this era. Only divorce or death could sever the contract, and the engaged couple could be referred to as husband and wife. If her betrothed husband had died, then she would be considered a widow. And during the engagement period, the couple did not live together. They did not have marital relations. And, and during this year of betrothal, the wife would prove her faithfulness and the husband would go and prepare a home for them. When the year was up, uh, they would have a seven day celebration and wedding feast, and then they would be married. You see, this angelic interruption was not a part of Mary's plan. I'm pretty sure of that. One commentary noted that Mary was greatly agitated. The verb that's used in the Greek is the word tarasso, and, and, and it's referenced a little bit ahead there with Zachariah in the few verses where Zachariah and the angel comes to tell Zachariah that he's going to have a son, and Zachariah had this outward fear of the angel and the, the report, but, but the verb that's used here is diaterasso for Mary, and it's a more intense form of this word of, of being greatly agitated and, and upset. You see, Zacharias so he, was, he, was, he was in turmoil over seeing an angel, but But Mary, she was gripped with fear because of what the angel said and it was a fear that she had within her. Mary's engaged to be married here and she didn't do anything wrong. In fact, she was considered favored by God. And now Joseph, her husband, is probably gonna consider divorcing her and and Mary could have said, hey God, like I said yes to you and I was following you with my heart and serving and obeying you and I found favor with you. But now the tension that this is going to create and the, the animosity with family and friends and what people are going to think, this isn't what I had planned. How many can relate to things not going as planned? You know, maybe you planned uh, get away this year or last year and... and s- Plans were interrupted and, and you realize it proved to be difficult to get together with family and friends or, or go out for a meal at a restaurant or maybe your kids and you, you didn't realize that you were going to have to be doing homeschool and kids were learning more at home than they were in person and all these challenges that we face. Maybe you thought you'd be further somewhere different in your career at this point. Maybe you thought you'd be married by now or maybe you thought you'd have children by now or, or whatever it is that things that didn't quite happen As you had expected. Mary could have said, This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I planned for. God, I don't understand. God's interruptions may seem inconvenient at times. But can I say this morning? But what we call an interruption, God wants to call an invitation. See, God invites us to partner with his purposes. God invites us and what seems like an interruption becomes opportunity and you look at the interruptions in scripture time and time again. Moses in the burning bush seems like an interruption and and God comes and there's invitation and Jonah in the whale and Saul on the Damascus road. All kinds of things that seem like interruptions but really become an invitation. Verse 30, the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor With God. How many want that to be said of you? You found favor with God. May it be said of us that that we found favor with Him. Second observation is this is that God's purposes are often different than our plans. Verse thirty-one it tells us that you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus, he will be very great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Imagine Mary saying, wow, this is incredible news, and she's she's in turmoil, she's confused, she's disturbed, she's, wow, I'm gonna give birth to the Son of God. This is amazing, and yet, the tension of, wow, what are people gonna think? What is gonna happen? How is this gonna unfold Friends, can I encourage us today to continue to trust God when you don't see what the next step is? As Pastor Tim read, Hebrews 12, to fix your eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the finisher and perfecter of our faith. When we don't understand, when we don't know, we can look to the one who knows. And his name is Jesus, and he's called the Prince of Peace. Verse 34 says, Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. This is not just impossible but it's hard to even fathom. It's hard to think about the possibility. Can you relate to that questioning today? You know, how can this happen? How can this be? Situations in life that don't seem to add up, that don't make sense. Trials and challenges and health crisis and and relational crisis and, and things that we just don't know. God, how in the world is this gonna get fixed? How can something change out of this? Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. Can I get you to say that with me? For nothing is impossible with God. Say that again. For nothing is impossible with God. Can I ask you a question this morning? The situation that you come in here today that you're thinking about that's on your mind. Whatever's on our mind is God is aware of and it's on God's heart and he's, he's conscious of what things concern us. And you know what? Can we change a spouse? Can we change a friend? Can we, can we bring healing? Can we bring transformation to situations? Can we? No. Can God bring healing to our friends and our family and our relationships? Can God bring transformation? Can God save and can God set free and can God transform those that we care about? What seems impossible to others is possible with God. Today, I wanna ask you, what is God asking you to believe that others are saying is impossible? What is the diagnosis and what is the report and what is the forecast that others are speaking over your situation that God is just saying, hey, what's impossible for others is possible with me? Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, May everything that you've said about me come true, for nothing is impossible with God. I don't know if you know this, but my wife, Carrie, and I, we have two awesome kids. Uh, We have a daughter, Ava, she's 15, and a son, Ezra, he's 12. And when we came here, Ava was just turning four. Her birthday is uh, December 16th, and so she just turned four, and next week she turns 16. And uh, there's your warning, she's going to be driving. She's in eagerly anticipating, so there's your notice. But she's going to be hitting the road. And, you know, as I was preparing this week, I was just giving some thought to what is peace and what does peace look like? And I was driving Ava to co-op this week, and I was asking her, hey, Ava, what does peace mean to you? And, uh, and it was really cool because she said, you know, we actually were just talking about peace at youth this week and, or recently, and, and Lauren was asking us to, you know, talk about in our small groups, what's the difference between the peace that the world offers and the peace that God offers? And uh, she said, you know what, the peace that comes, uh, let me get this right, sorry. She said that uh, the peace that the world gives is a temporary peace that only distracts my mind, is something that takes my attention off of what is causing me all the stress and worry, but it doesn't fix anything. She says, but the peace of God is, is a peace that calms my heart and soul and helps me face the things that are causing me stress. I thought that was so impressive and inspiring and it was so true of what Jesus said in John 14, 27. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give you is a gift that this world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. You see, Peace is not a feeling, peace is not an emotion, peace is a person. And that person is Jesus, he's the Prince of Peace. And I want to ask you this morning, do you know him? Do you know the Prince of Peace? Have you experienced the Prince of Peace? Have you experienced him take away your anxious thoughts and your worries and your concerns? Have you experienced his presence as you walk through different seasons and situations? I love this quote that I read this week by a guy named John Maine. He said this, the longer we meditate, the more we become aware that the source of our newfound calm is our lives, uh, is precisely the the life of God within us. The degree of peace we possess is directly proportional to our awareness of this fact of life, a fact of human consciousness common to every man and every woman in the world. Our proximity to the Father is what determines our peace. The closer you get to Jesus, the greater peace you will have in your life. Maybe you've seen this church sign on a church as you've passed before, no God, no peace. No God, no peace. It's so true that, you, you know what, we look at things and when, when we all, every one of us, seven point some billion people, when we experience our peace disrupted and we wanna try to find peace and comfort and strength and hope, we wanna try to solve that The world offers a peace that is literally a distraction and you will not experience true peace. But peace in God, as we lean into him, as we know him, our peace barometer goes up and as we spend time in his presence, we experience a peace that passes all of our understanding. If you're missing peace this season, can I remind you, try moving closer to Jesus. Invite him to come and he will give you more than a temporary distraction from your stress and your worry. His presence changes our perspective. Cast your cares and your worries on him because he cares for you. He provides for all of our needs according to his great riches and glory and he's working all things together for our good. He never leaves us, he doesn't forget about us. When we draw near to him, he does draw near to us. He's close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's our refuge, he's our strength and he's the stronghold in time of trouble. I wanna ask you this morning, do you know him? Do you know the Prince of Peace? Have you experienced his peace in your life? I love this verse in Isaiah 26, verse three. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The context of this passage is important because Israel was in a season of fear and unsettledness. Isaiah prophesied about a day of great breakthrough and victory and he was reminding the people of Israel to keep their hope and keep their trust in the Lord. I love the promise that Isaiah says. He says, you will be kept in perfect peace. Sadly, for so many of us, we we understand and we can relate to imperfect peace at different seasons and stages of our lives. Peace doesn't mean no troubles or no problems. Where everything is peachy and life is easy, but God's peace brings perspective and his assurance through every season and every situation. In every storm, God's peace is what anchors us and gives us strength. God promises that his peace will be with us as we navigated those different crises and those situations that we didn't see coming, but God helps us and he comforts us and strengthens us. The battle of peace begins in our minds, but it ends in our hearts. Anyone else ever have the war in your mind that, you know, your mind just doesn't want to shut off and you just can't shut it down, you can't sleep, and you're just, you're racing and you're thinking and you're problem solving and you're thinking about all kinds of scenarios and how are we going to fix this problem? I like the difference here in the two verses here, Isaiah 26, 3 in the New Living Translation and the NIV, but the difference, it says, you will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And then in the NIV it says, all, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. See, notice Isaiah doesn't say that you'll keep in perfect peace all those whose minds are fixed on social media, right? All those whose minds are fixed on their newsfeed on their phone and, and fixed to their TV channels and their latest and greatest news. That's not when you're kept in perfect peace, this word fixed in the Hebrew, uh, it means to, to lean on, to, to completely rest and to have your confidence in. And you're kept in perfect peace when your mind and your, your thoughts are leaning on His promises. Perfect peace and, uh, comes as a result of resting in the goodness and the presence and the, the, the promises of God. We need to know in the seasons that we face. The Prince of Peace, he's come, Then, as a result of him coming, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. You shall overcome because he's overcome, and you can face all things, endure all things because of the strength that comes through Christ. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because he is with us, his rod and staff, they comfort us, and everything that you need today is found in him. We can have the mind of Christ as we live and move and have our being in him. And it's only when we fully lean on God that we experience his peace and his perspective becomes a reality for us. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says this. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable and what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. See, when we fix our thoughts on these things, then God's peace is with us. Some of us are fixing our thoughts on other things and the wrong things, and, but we expect different results. The importance is that as we fix our thoughts on him and his, who he is and on his promises, it changes our perspective. You know, I, I had a situation a few years ago uh, that happened to me that, that created a little, it was a peace disruptor. Uh, It was probably 10 years ago, I was going to an event and I had to rent a big truck and had all this equipment from the sports equipment from the church and we were doing the event and we came back and uh, it was a Sunday afternoon and I was unloading stuff, I was tired and I just had to drop something off in my office and as I was driving the truck from the back, it came out front and um, I'm used to driving small cars and uh, I was driving a big U-Haul truck and uh, I went under the carport and uh, I kind of hit the carport and... uh, it disrupted my peace. Uh, it like rocked me. I got out of the van and I saw the dent there and I saw the truck and I was like, oh man, this is not what I wanted. Uh, and I remember just feeling the sense of just upset and, and worry and how is this gonna get fixed and what are, what's the board gonna say? What's my boss gonna say? What's my wife gonna say? Uh, you know, I'm like, who's gonna pay for this? Like what's gonna happen? And I just remember the stress and the worry. It wasn't long into that process that I just, God reminded me just gently of his promise in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Just says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, I, each of us, as we look back on our life and as you think about right now what you face, the circumstances, the frustrations, the, the struggles, the, the strife, as we look back, we can be reminded of the goodness of God in all of our lives. I always say, you know what? If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you can't think of anything else to be thankful to God for, you can thank him that you have a pulse today because every breath is a gift from God. Everything that you have is a gift from God. And so we can quickly drop a list of all the things that we are thankful to God for. And all of us, as a reminder that, you know what, whatever you face, would you look back and would you give thanks to God for all that he's done? Then we ask him and we, we just pray, we bring our request to God and then the peace of God, which guards our heart as we live in Christ Jesus. And I've experienced that peace and I just found that God, you know, I was worrying and I just felt God challenge me and just say, hey, stop worrying and keep praying. Keep trusting in me. And I was resting on his promises and, and you know, a great outcome to the story. I had insurance and insurance on the truck and it fixed the truck and it fixed the carport and, and everything worked out. Well, a couple of years later, uh, you know what? I, I had Pastor Rick call me and it was on a Saturday and they were coming back from an event as well. And he goes, hey, uh, so, um, you hit the carport one time, right? I'm like, yeah, I did, I did. Uh, he goes, uh, yeah, well, we were just coming back and someone hit it with the cube truck and like we damaged the carport. I'm like, I get it, I get it, it's all good. you know. I was able to pass the peace, the peace of God in my life, I was able to pass on to them. I said, guys, it's all good, Like, let me encourage you. You can trust God, let's pray about it, we'll figure out how this gets fixed. But you know what, I was able to pass the peace and God has called you and me. To be bringers of his peace, that we would experience his peace, and as a result of experiencing it, that we would pass his peace to people in our lives. You have people in your life that you love, and you have people in your life that you can't stand. And God has strategically placed them there. God has placed them there, and God wants us to extend his grace. God wants us to extend his peace to them. And you know, I think of Romans 12:18, it says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Proverbs 15:1 says a gentle answer deflects anger, but. Harsh words make tempers flare. And you know what? Each of us, God is calling us to experience his peace. As we fix our mind and our thoughts on him, we can walk and we can live in his peace, but God wants you this week, this month, to be bringers of his peace. Who does God have in your life that he's saying, hey, I want you to extend peace to today? what's the relationship, what's the strife, what's the challenge, what's the adversity that you're walking in, you're living in and I think each and every one of us today have people in our lives that we can have strife and there's just, there's there's a tension and God's saying, I want you to bring my peace. I want the peace of Christ, the Prince of Peace to be extended into situations and watch, create space for God to work. I wanna close by sharing a story uh, about my grandma, Grandma Swartwood. And I've shared many stories about her in the past, and if you've heard the one, uh, she's the one when I was a teenager and I snuck into a high school dance, she kind of had some suspicions that I was up to no good, and she found out where I was, and she came down and she hauled me out of the high school dance at like 15 years of age, and that's the type of grandma she was, right? She was just like, she was in tune to the spirit, and she was like, you know, she was a person of faith. Uh, she was a matriarch of the faith. I've told the story before how, you know what, early on, like she had five kids, and all kinds of things. Life was unraveling. She was born in the 30s and uh, you know, she's doing the best she could with what she had but, but that didn't seem to be good enough and uh, one night she had this door-to-door guy come and he was sharing the hope of Jesus and uh, he shared a track with her and she thought, you know, oh, you know she was laying in bed and she told me the story I was just smoking a cigarette and just reading this track and just feeling like, oh my goodness, like, you know what, her life was just feeling like a shambles didn't know if things were gonna be able to make it. Didn't know how things were gonna turn out. And she prayed this prayer and she said, wow, God, I could really, if, if you're real, if this is something real and if, if you do care about me, if you do love me, you know, may, maybe if there's something to this, I, I'm gonna, I'll try. And she prayed this prayer and she said, that night my life was transformed. She goes, I never had another cigarette after that day and Jesus came into my life and he transformed my heart. She was the first one. First generation follower of Jesus in the Swartwood side, and you know, and and I am now the third generation, a of a a benefactor of the goodness and the blessing and and the hope of Jesus, what Jesus did in her and my children and, and their children. We're praying that the advent of peace, that as the Prince of Peace came and we anticipate his soon coming return, but we want to continue to pray. We want to continue to believe that from generation to generation, we will declare the goodness of our God that we have seen and that we have testified to his faithfulness and his mercy. And that was what Grandma just continued to do and You know, Grandma was 90 years old, and she went to be with Jesus December the 15th, 2020. So this coming week, we're going to celebrate her one-year heavenly anniversary, and I'm so thankful for her investment in my life, just the way that she taught me, and she modeled what it meant to follow Jesus, and to love him, and to trust him. And there's been times throughout this year that i have just like, oh man, I wish I could see Grandma, I wish I could just talk with her, and hear her laugh, and all those things that she'd say, and... And I just, a few months ago, I had my aunt, she emailed me this clip, and it's an audio file of my grandma. And uh, it was just a few months before she passed, and she was at this conference at their church. And uh, she was asked to pray uh, at the end of the, some session they were in. And, and so as I was listening to it, I was just encouraged and refreshed. And as I was preparing this week, I thought, you know what? Why, what? I felt God just inviting me and encouraging me to share this with you. I allow my grandmother for a year and a half ago, just praying blessing and hope and the peace of Christ, that you be blessed by her. She's now absent from the body, means she's in the presence of God. And precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. And she is forever in eternity with her Lord and Savior. And I anticipate the day that I will be there too. And that not only me, but my children and their children and their children until his return. And so I'm gonna play this clip. I pray that it would bless you in this moment. This
2: is a line of And pray over this group. Father, we just worship you. You are precious. You are precious, Lord. And, and when you say that we are precious, Father, we need that, we need that imparted into our spirit today, Lord. That that we are priceless to you oh God we just commit this to you and 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 thank you for your word today Father thank you for your anointing thank you Father for for the unction of the Holy Spirit oh God just plant it deep within us today I need it planted in me Lord and, and I know that there are probably others
1: bowed and your eyes closed as grandma prayed. You're precious in the eyes of the Lord. God loves you and he cares for you and and my prayer for you today I don't know what you're going through, what season you find yourself in that today that you would experience his peace. That today that there's peace in his presence there's peace as he walks with you as you lift your eyes towards heaven, as you draw near to him he says I will draw near to you today if you just need prayer we want to pray that god would draw you close we also want to pray for you that you know what that you would be the peace of christ that you would pass his peace that from this generation that you pass it on to your children and your grandchildren and as long as you have breath would you declare the goodness of god and that we would eagerly anticipate his arrival so father we bless you We thank you for the gift of your presence. We thank you that we have hope and we have peace because of you. You are the Prince of Peace. And we thank you for your activity and the presence that you bring to our lives, the perspective that you bring. God, we thank you that you have not left us or forgot about us, but you are actively walking and leaning in on our behalf. And today, as a result of that, Lord, we choose to be a people that give you praise in advance of victory. God, we will be pastors of the peace and we will experience your peace. And God, may it be said of us that they have a peace that it just surpasses all understanding. And we give you thanks for what you're doing in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.